This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, afternoon and evening. You are listening to the Stacey West podcast. This is episode number 259. I am one of your long-term hosts. My name is Gary and joining me today is Mr. Pathway, the pundit with the most, the Sunday League, Pep Guardiola. It's Chris Lamming. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> Hello. Hello. I'm very well, thank you. What an intro. There you go, you see. They get longer. Yeah, they do get longer. They do. I, I, I get in a flow. I could have gone with all sorts there. I could have gone crawls out of the Ivy Club at 3.30 in the morning with my dad when my dad said he wasn't going to stay very late. I could have gone with that. I could I have happen, gone yeah. purchaser of green stuff in jugs that makes Gary feel sick for 24 hours afterwards. Oh, Also, uh, I would say consumer of. Um, I didn't buy the first one. That wasn't my idea. I saw some. I saw someone that was bright idea was to order that, that frog, I think it's called, isn't it? I don't know. So I just returned the favour. Yeah, so luminous green, isn't it? So the the humble <laughs> listener, that'll be you at the other end of our ramblings, uh, were aware that Chris and I were going um, for a few drinks in the Ivy Club in rugby last week. Uh, since then, you've had Chris and Charlie. I hope that that's cured your insomnia. If not, um, we'll have Ben. Oh, no, not Chris and Charlie. Ben and Charlie, sorry. Um, so we'll have Ben and Charlie again in a few weeks' time if you're struggling to sleep over Christmas. Um, jokes, of course. Uh, so you won't have... Yeah, Chris and I, we had a, a not just the two of us, but it was a very good night. We ended up drinking something green called Fat Frog, um, which looked like a liquidized frog. Uh, and that was in half pint glasses when I think it should perhaps have been served in a bucket straight down the plug hole. So, but it was a good night, wasn't it? It was, it was a, a good football free night um, and a football free day as well. It was. It was, a, it was just a really good day around. So it was Rugby Christmas Market, football on pitch, football free for me, um, though I was manning. Um, the rugby FC stall at the rugby Christmas market was very successful. Um, it was a really good day. Just a really good day. Rugby was buzzing. It's just really nice to see the, the, the village like that. And then to have a band on in the local in the evening. It was rammed. It was good. A good time was had by all. It was. And we're not going to talk too much about what happened since then. But we've had a game that was postponed at last minute, which was a little bit disappointing. We'll talk about the uh, the rematch in a short while. A um, little bit disruptive, I think, from Michael Scavala's point of view, because people... The, I listened to the Wigan comms yesterday's game and they were saying, you know, oh, Lincoln have had a big rest, lots of time to prepare for this game. In actual fact, we probably had one extra day to prepare for this game because the players came in on the Wednesday. And I think Michael Scabala said that they actually had a load. They did a lot of running on that Wednesday to simulate having played a match because their loads are planned to such perfection um, that they needed that physical exertion. I found that interesting. Before we talk about Wigan, um, it's kind of fascinating that they had to replicate having played a match on the Wednesday for the players in order to make sure that their loads were right for the Thursday, Friday. They can't just come in and go, oh, you haven't played a game. So we'll just go straight into planning for the for the Saturday game. We have to replicate that because that's part of your load. And your training's planned to such a fine degree that you know, one, maybe four or five hour session or can throw everything else out. I mean, it's I just found that fascinating. It is interesting. Yeah. Um, it, 
I, I, my ears poked up a little bit when he mentioned that because it, it brings it back to, okay, yeah, of course. But it kind of brings it back a little bit to a lot of um, what I used to do when I used to work in the fitness industry. And it's, it's obviously about physical conditioning. And there's such that fine line when it comes to performance. When it's just, you know, um, Joe Bloggs going down the gym, you know, work hard, get a sweat on, throw some weights about. Like, of course, there are these techniques to it and, and things. But ultimately, if you're going to do it regularly, you're going to be fitter than you were. And that's good. But when everyone is super fit, trying to find that extra percent is massive and it's about getting you at the tip-top condition for a saturday afternoon avoiding the risk of injury minimizing that but also making sure that you're, that you're conditioned enough it's a little bit like if you were going to um run a marathon you don't just turn up the day before and do it with no training but similarly um you will have you can't finish a marathon and then never run for six months like you're knackered aren't you it's awful you need to have kind of those 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 kind of winds downs as well so it's just interesting it's not surprising i just think it's interesting that he put it in the public domain that that's something they did and also i think just from the kind of the average fan's perspective it's just quite nice to, to, to hear the lads have you know they didn't just get a day off they had to come in and work work hard still and it's just well, you know, that kind of those old school values as well as it being super planned i think there's a few old school values in there as well look you didn't have to put a shift in on tuesday so you're going to put a shift in today as well I think they got the weekend off as well, didn't they? So they, they did get a little bit of time and a break. I think had they been training over the weekend, it might have been different. Um, and the other thing you touched on there, and we will talk about Wigan, promise. Um, and it's the, we're not putting it off because it's a nil-nil draw, because I actually think there is plenty to talk about as well. Um, but I find it interesting you said there that, it's in, that Michael put it out in the public domain and you found that fascinating. Have you not found that he's so much more open than, and we're not going to go start talking about kind of ex-managers, that you ask him a question about an injury, he gives you an answer about an injury. You ask him a question about training, he gives you an answer about training. And, and okay, with you and I, when we were asking him what he's been work, working on, you know, he was almost apologetic that he said, well, actually, what I'm going to do is, you know, I can't tell you that because I can't give you secrets away. But he's far more open, isn't he, than arguably, arguably the last two managers that we've had. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think he's just really genuine, isn't he? That's probably the best words. Genuine and honest and just gives you a straight answer, but explains it as well. We want Michael Scabala to be our friend, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, do. <laughs> we were in the Ivy Club the other night, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice if Michael Scabala was here? Um, and he did admit that uh, off-air that he didn't know any of the nightclubs in Loughborough, and one of them that my friend used to own. So I'm not sure that he would still be in the Ivy Club at half past one drinking fat frog or sending me selfies with my dad at half past three in the morning. Well, it's hardly um, a regular occurrence. That was a, a bit of an anomaly, I'd say, in my <laughs> last five, 33 years of my life. Um, but it was... Uh, <laughs> It was just a really good night. It's one of those where you had know, such a good time and you obviously well-oiled to the point you kind of lose track of time a little bit. And the fact that the pub was still open, because normally on a Saturday night in rugby, it's doors shut 11 o'clock on the dot. So, yeah, it was just, uh, that was nice. That was interesting. So, yeah, I think on a, on a quiet Saturday, maybe, it might be more and suited to Mr Scubala coming in and have a quiet pint with us. Speaking of quiet Saturdays, many feel that yesterday's game against Wigan was was a quiet Saturday. There was no goals. There was one shot on target in the entire game. Um, XG was was fairly low against Wigan, uh, but and also to be fair, there was quite a bit of negativity I think on on social media. Not and that's not saying it was widespread because it wasn't widespread. There quite a lot of people kind of looked at it as a good point, but they called the game turgid. I think it depends how you look at a game as to whether it's turgid or not. And I'm not criticising because I'm going back to the Stevenage game where you know, I was looking at it through the eyes of a travelling fan who's had a few beers going, do something in the area. Whereas actually, if you're looking at it as a, a competition, like a almost like a game of chess, a kind of how you're going to do this, what's going to happen here, how have you approached this? I actually found Saturday's game one of the most fascinating uh, and pleasing that I have seen that we haven't won this season and maybe even beyond um, because there wasn't an awful lot of goal mouth action, but there was an awful lot of um, football being done. Dare I say, tactics, everything was measured. Everything was, it was like, um, it was like a game of operation where each team was probing just desperately, desperately not looking to make a mistake. And the second the mistake was made, both teams were ready to pounce on it, and okay, there weren't enough opportunities. But 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 kind of let let let's rewind all the way back. I've kind of got a little bit ahead of myself because one big question I think before kickoff was what's team selection going to look like? And Pordy came back in. He was picked for the Accrington game that didn't go ahead. Jack Vale and Dylan Duffy didn't play. They were picked for the Accrington game that went ahead. So it was an interesting team selection. 
it was an interesting team selection, yeah. Claudio kind of back in the team, skipper. And it was a skipper's performance as well, wasn't it? It was outstanding yesterday. Um, and it's, it feels a little harsh on Alex Mitchell, who I don't feel has put a foot wrong. But there's two factors that come to play for me that as why Pordy plays ahead of him at the moment. Um, firstly, because Adam Jackson is on unstop- is undroppable right now. Um, and you can obviously say the same about Mitchell because like, he's a superbly um, talented player and done so well recently. TJ has been a different player under Michael Skubala. He's been just excellent, just excellent. In every single one of um, Michael Skubala's games in charge, TJ has been outstanding. Um, so I just don't think you, can, you can't replace either of those. Um, TJ is obviously has a very different profile to the rest as well. He's definitely much better on the ball than the other ones. A bit more progressive, um, slightly more calm, I'd say, in possession. And then you've got the question between O'Connor and Mitchell. O'Connor's our captain and he's our player. Mitchell's on loan. I think they're the only things that go against him in um, as to why O'Connor came in. But my God, did he justify that selection? So, as we said... I thought we started relative, relatively well. I thought we had some really good possession. The first half had very, very few chances. There was theirs, I think, that was direct from a corner. Um, that was wind-assisted. There was Hamilton, and um, their local uh, journalist. who he's, he's called Paul Kendrick, and I've read some of his stuff. My God, that boy sees football in a, in a strange light. I think he had a spat with Jack Mulhall a few weeks ago, a few years ago. Um, but he said that, um, Hamilton had a 35-yard effort that the keeper held. Well, it was nowhere near 35 yards out at all. Um, he also said that it was a controversial disallowed goal, but we'll come on to that in a minute. Honestly, that you know, local journalism, there's no wonder it's collapsing if that's the standard. Um, but Wigan, I thought, looked really good without being really good. I thought that they had some really the, the wide players, Jordan Jones, I think, who was at Rangers, mm-hmm. uh, real danger. I, I, I like that Johnny Smith. Do you know what? He's one player that I'd love to see play for us. I think he he, he killed us against Burton last season. Was it at Burton? It yeah, was the one when Boxing, Boxing Day, New Year's Day, whichever one it was, we got three 0 Boxing Day, wasn't it? Because Max Sand, I think that was the moment when Max Sanders lost Mark Kennedy's backing mm. because oh, he yeah. came off after not tracking up a player. So I, yeah, I really like those. I like the lads at the back and they're brutes. Charlie Hughes is a, a an absolute brute. Good on the ball though as well, Charlie Hughes is. Yeah. Very good on the ball. It, you, they're a team that if they are not, and I still think they could be around the top six at the end of the season. If they're not around the top six at the end of the season, they'll be around the top two next season. Um, but it was just, it was tepid with in terms of shots on goal, but we did such a good job, didn't we, at, at stopping them doing what they wanted to do. I thought we were brilliant. I thought we were absolutely brilliant in the first half, bar chances again. That's that. I know if you looked at the stats at half time, you thought, oh, possession was, you know, similar. I think it was like one shot for each team or something, some more, one or two. And you think, oh, well, that's nothing happened. I haven't missed anything there. So, you know, for those people that w- weren't able to watch it, you just look at the stats, you think, oh, how are we getting on? You don't, you don't get the full picture there at all because like watching it, I think you mentioned that like a game of operation. It was like a game of chess and a game of operation altogether because it was it was massively tactical. I was massively impressed by Danny Mandroyu, not just on yes. the ball because he stood out on the ball because he was he, he kept getting his off his off the ball because he was doing a dual role. He was pressing uh, outside centre halves at times and he was also covering the, 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 the their wing back at times as well. So he had to be re switched onto different triggers and, and know when to go and his just the angle of his run to dictate play was was really good. So what? What we did superbly was when we got the ball, I think we looked after it really well at times. I thought we were really good on the ball, definitely got high up the pitch. And I remember a reference that always gets coming back in my mind now that Scoob Barla mentioned is about putting the temp pegs in. Um, so he says, when you get the ball in their half, let's have a bit of sustained possession in their half, keep the pressure on. And we did that, I would say, a handful of times in the first half really well. Um, but also when, when Wigan were in possession, we pressed really high. We didn't go kind of gung-ho, but our, just, our lines were really high. Um, so they had possession literally on the edge of their 18-yard box for a lot of, of that first half. And Benny Cowley always used to mention that you can control a game even when you haven't got the ball because you can dictate with your positioning where the opposition has possession. And if it's not very dangerous, then it's it's obviously it's okay. It's You can't have the ball for, for 90 minutes. So when they have it, make sure that you're in a position so that, that they've got it in areas that aren't going to hurt you. And I just thought, Without without the ball, we were just 
fault, almost faultless, to be honest, in that first half. And it was just that one missed pass, one poor touch, one heavy touch, one bad decision away from pouncing and, and, and creating a chance. Credit to Wigan, they were good in possession. Um, but they still had just one shot in the first, in the whole in the whole half. Um, not a shot on target at all. We just shepherded them brilliantly, and then when we had the opportunity to play. We did. It wasn't. It was the opposite of Steven. As you mentioned, the difference in sort of maybe how you see the game, whether you're there or whether you're watching online or whatever. Um, and I completely get that. And I think that 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 was quite stark on against Stevenage. This was a completely different type of match than a Stevenage game because, as much as we had a bit of the ball in the first half against Stevenage, and we were better um, than maybe some felt we were in the first half against Stevenage, it was still a transitional game. There was loads of chat. There was loads of um, kind of possession change. That's, that's partly down to the opposition, of course. Um, See, I it, part I partly dispute the stats. Go on, okay. Because uh, first of all, uh, first of all, I I can understand why we played such high line because we can actually play our fifth lowest in terms of long passes in the division. So we were mm. comfortable playing that line because they don't tend to play it over the back. Derby, Oxford, Bolton, Peterborough are the other four that are below them. So actually, mm. I think we could see a very very similar game on Boxing Day. So if you're looking for a Boxing Day delight against Bolton, you could be a little bit, yeah. A little bit upset because I don't I don't think you'll see free flowing football. The stats say that in the first half there was one shot for each side. I think ours was one shot, one on target. Yep. Which I'm assuming is the Ethan Hamilton effort, yeah. uh, and theirs would be the Johnny Smith effort that, that was a over the bar, yeah. put over the top. I I disagree with that because what about the corner the the corner routine where Lass Sorensen had a shot and it was blocked. Yeah, that, that was definitely a shot. That was the first half. <laughs> was what about right on the cusp of half-time, Danny Mandroyu outside of his boot? Are we saying that that was a pass or a shot? The keeper collected it right down at his post. I, I thought he was attempting an outside-of-the-boot cross, personally. You see, but, I you can, it, 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 but it was actually on target, so you can it, expect it to class as a yeah. shot. I um, think that was a shot. Fair enough, fair enough. But just what I was gonna, the point I was making is that Wigan game was, even though statistically it might look similar, it was very, very different. So I think it was rather than it being a really transitional game, it was like, okay, you have the ball for a bit and then we'll win it back and then we'll keep it for a bit. But both teams did keep it. I think when we kept the ball, though, we kept the ball in a much higher area of the pitch. We, we were in Wigan's half for a lot of that game, that first half. And Wigan's majority of their possession was literally in their own third. Just an interesting um, XG stat um, for the last three games. Um, just shows how how much we've improved, really. And we've always been good at stopping the opposition playing, but I think we're doing it in a much more uh, aggressive and a much more kind of front foot way, rather than just stop the opposition. It's stop the opposition with a desire to try and pounce and score uh, and, and dominate. But first half XG against Wigan, according to Y Scout, zero point one three. So this is this is for the opposition. So this is Wigan had zero point one three. So that's around a one in what eight chance of you know you have to have eight halves of football there for them to score that one opportunity they had. Cambridge, 0.08. Barnsley, 0.07. So in the first half of our last three games, we have restricted the opposition to 0.28 XG. There was only two shots on target against us in the first half in the last three games. That's excellent. We can we can argue until the cows come home about how we can sustain it and second half and everything. But in terms of how are we starting games, how are we setting up when thing you know everything's when it's nil nil. Let's be honest, most of the time, and you and you're setting up in both in that starting phase of play for both teams. We're really good. We're really good. Under Michael Scavala, there's only been five shots on target in the first half in all the games collectively, which is the <laughs> same number as the first half against Oxford United when we lost two 0 and uh, another something you said they're really interested about is keeping the ball, about us being relatively good in possession uh, and not losing it. 48 losses in the first half. Now, that sounds a lot, but actually it's really not. It's the lowest number of losses we've had in the first half of a game um, since MK Dons last February. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I thought, I thought it sounded low. The thing is, losses isn't just giving the ball to the position. This is every time it goes out for a throw and every time it goes out for yeah. a corner, a goal kick, etc. Um, or the game a foul or whatever, so it includes all them, not just passing the ball to the opposition. That's that's really interesting. I, I, that's 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 reaffirming a little bit because it kind of I felt like we, we were really good in possession. I thought we were 
people wanted the ball all the time and we were comfortable getting the ball in tight spaces and we didn't really seem to panic at all. We seemed really kind of composed and controlled. And let's not forget the conditions, by the way. Conditions were, were horrible. Shocking. Yeah, they were. It, obviously, it was raining, which is, you know, that happens this time of the year, but such a strong wind, such a strong wind. And wind is, and for anyone that's ever played Sunday League football or any football at any level, <laughs> wind is the worst conditions to play. You can play in snow, play in rain, play in hail. It's windy. It ruins a game of football. It's so hard to play. Um, and it, yeah, I think that maybe had an impact on like deliveries, like set pieces and things had an impact maybe on final passes. But... A couple of really bad free kicks that were yeah. over hit, that looked over hit, but weren't the wind caught them. Mm, but just in general possession, I thought we were great. I thought, I thought both Ethan's in the centre midfield were just outstanding in the first half. They dominated yeah. everything in there. Um, winning the first ball, winning the second ball. The amount of time we won the second ball, by the way, in the first half. I'd love to see a stat for that. Also, this is just more for the listeners, really, because I've been I've been searching for this particular metric and I can't find it anywhere. Maybe it doesn't exist in League One. Some of you may have heard of something called field tilt. So what field tilt is all about is basically you take the possession stats. Let's say we had, what, 44% possession in the first half. They had 56. But as we said, well, most of our possession was in their half, whereas most of their possession was literally in their third. So it basically takes out it takes out the middle part of the pitch. It says, well, how much of the ball have you had compared to them in their half, vice versa? And then it gives you a percentage there. So this is like the argument of that that's the metric to see, well, have you got possession with a purpose or not? Um, I can't find a field tilt for League One anywhere. So if anyone knows where to find it, that'd be really helpful, please. Um, but <laughs> I haven't seen the numbers, obviously, I am guessing here. But I would I reckon our field tilt would be about 75% in our favour in the first half compared to them. I reckon we would have had three times the amount of possession that they had in their third compared to their possession in our third. Yeah, well, we kept them pinned in. And you could see there was the, I mean, our, our, when their keeper had the ball, half the time our defensive line was actually on the halfway line. Yeah. So we, played a, we did play a high line. And maybe if they had pumped it over the top and let Jones or or, or Smith or McManaman later on run onto it, then potentially there was, there was a way to get in behind us. But they didn't yeah. take it. So go yeah. on, you've got your hand up. Oh, yeah, like just a, one point like on the first half again. We mentioned the out possession, just how good we were out possession as well as in. And this was someone, you mentioned Smith, though, it just kind of popped in my head. I think our Smith, Ali Smith, I thought, I for the first time, really, if I'm honest, the first time, really, I, I saw what Ali Smith is all about without the ball. Because he gets he keeps getting picked. And, so, you know, he's not everyone's favourite play. He, he always looks a little bit gangly, doesn't always look, you know, massively in control of the ball all the time. He's been, he's done some good things, misplaced a few passes here and there, and you think, oh, you know, what? How how is he playing ahead of, let's say, Dern Duffy in that role? Hacks, who has obviously had a good spell, for example, or or other players, any any other player really that we mentioned there. You know, Ali Smith keeps getting picked, and I saw it, and I I had this, and obviously different part of the different part of the pitch, completely different role, but the same principle, because I couldn't for, for about a year or two. I couldn't work out for the life of me why Declan Rice was getting rave reviews when he was at West Ham first came to us. I was like, what's he, what does he do? And then I finally watched the West Ham game properly and you go, oh, I get it now. And it was nothing to do with what he did on the ball. It was everything he did off it, his awareness. And I saw it with Ali Smith yesterday. I His tactical awareness was outstanding yesterday. Positional awareness was really, really good in the first half. In the first half particularly, if he can polish his on-ball on stuff, we've got a hell of a player there because... You've got to play. You've got to play the game with your head, and uh, he does. He just needs to just improve that technical aspect. Yeah, our interview with Michael. Um, he mentioned the three stage. You've got to see it. You've got to then make the right decision, and then you've got to have a technical te technical ability to improve. And some players are good at some of that. Some players need work at other elements of it. For me, I've really noticed what Ali Smith is good at, like superbly good at, is his. He sees it. He makes the right decision a lot of the time. It's just maybe just needs to just improve that technical aspect a tad. And then we've got a hell of a player on our hands. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of mention that because it's the first time I've really noticed that this year. I thought it was one of his best games in the yeah. first half in the Lincoln shirt. I think um, I think he, he tended to tire, maybe uh, looked like... Yeah, I'm talking about the first half, half. And, really. Yeah, and no wonder because he put a hell of a shift in. I mean, and again, a metric we don't have is, is ground covered. But I think that both him and Mandroyu, they performed the role yesterday that Michael Scabala wants that... It was, how am I going to put this? It was obvious the role that they were performing isn't the role of two wide forwards. So pre-game when people were saying how Smith got picked over Duffy, Duffy's been robbed. 
actually it's, that wasn't a Duffy position. The, the role that Smith and Mandroy were playing wasn't the sort of thing that Duffy would do. Duffy is wider. He does want to get down, drop a shoulder, beat a player. That wasn't what we were asking Mandroy and Smith to do in the first half yesterday. We were asking them to do um, much, much more. It was almost like a four-man midfield. It's almost like we play a, a, a kind of a 5-4-1 with them. I think you've referred to it as kind of a, a almost like a box midfield with box Hamilton. Midfield, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. In possession, and, it is and we, we can't get too hung up on tactics because you, you change and you shift in and out of possession. There was certainly at times while we were um, while we were pressing, we looked very much like a, a, a four five one. There was times when we pressed with a pressed in a two, so it looked to me like um, Mandroyu and Makama um, were going, and then there was yeah, a, and then Smith was, dropped in as a three next. Smith to dropped in, and, and there was the bank Hamilton, of three. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting. We came out in the second half. Um, and we talk about XG. Our total XG for the game was was 1.04. Um, I did in my write-up, I used FootMob, which was 0.55. I tend to rely more on Scout. 1.04. In that 1.04, um, 0.94 came in in two chances. <laughs> so I'm guessing Aoma was one of them. Yeah. And it was the, looking at it, I think it's the header O'Connor's flick on um, from the corner. Oh, okay. So it's it's literally in it's literally in the one move. So um, it's a Mandroyu corner. Let me just speed it up a little bit so I can see. And it's basically um, O'Connor comes from the penalty spot, beats off his beats off his man. Pardon me. Header at goal, kind of stabbed away. Ioma can't quite get himself onto it. That's it. Zero point nine four. So what the, we're talking when we're talking about XG, we're actually talking about one moment gave us so much more XG than them. Um, mm-hmm. I thought then we're going to go on and do it. And actually, I'm a little bit baffled that the chance that led to the corner isn't even on there. I thought Adam Jackson forced the keeper into a save. It's not yeah, even being picked up. Yeah, he did. It's not even That's not even listed as an opportunity on Scout. I'm beginning to really, another point, actually. Sorry, I keep going off on tangents here. It's all right. Two, two or three times in the game, we've tried. We've clearly been working on set pieces, haven't we? Tried to be a little bit clever, a little bit cute. Yeah. It's not just loving the ball in the box and hoping for the best. We've... Yeah, there was, there was two or three smart ones. The short corner you mentioned of Sorensen's header, but it looked like it was either going to go near post and use the first run as a decoy. And then it was almost like a, almost like a double bluff because we did go short, but we weren't short to a different player. And it was he was completely unmarked. And it was, uh, yeah, just couldn't quite get the ball out of his feet properly. But it was just clever. The Jacko one you mentioned as well. I just think, yeah, that's going to be something that I think we can we can build a little bit. As the, uh, think as some, the of the, some of the shorter ones yesterday were more to do with the conditions than anything, because we tried to put the ball in a couple of times and the wind caught it. And I wonder if yeah, it I was... think I think you're more likely to try that sort of thing in those conditions. But you can't, you cannot try those things if they're not been rehearsed. You have to rehearse that. Yeah, yeah, of course. You, you need to get everyone on. So, so we've clearly been working on that. Dare I say, to a, a greater extent than we have previously this season, because it almost felt like you you send the big lads forward, you have a couple of blockers, and then. Hoping for the best. I don't know if we scored a goal for set piece to be um until Marcus Gubala came in. Oh man, until Tom Shaw came in. Um so yeah, it was just it was just pleasing to see. Like you don't expect to do that every time, but just to have one or two a game, just something a little bit clever, a little bit cute. Um and we almost got a couple of goals from it, you know, create almost created big opportunities. So yeah, yeah that was we did positive. so. Let's fast forward towards the end of the game, really, because mm. the second half wasn't that much different to the first half in possession. And I likened it to a game of pass the parcel, but you just held on to the parcel until the music stopped. Then you passed it to the person next to you. And it, it was a little <laughs> bit like that. And actually, people, were, there's a narrative coming out of Wigan that they had that they couldn't break us down. We were very good defensively. But actually, possession was 60-40, which is, is better than it's been. For instance, Cambridge had more possession um, against us in our last outing than Wigan had against us this time out, um, about the same as, as Barnsley. So it, it tended to follow that kind of pattern. Possession with a purpose is important. There was very little possession with a purpose from either team. I think that was as much to do with um, as much to do with the conditions. But again, just to get that caveat in, 27 minutes as we're recording at the minute. That would be a record, it, by the way, for it to be this long in. You know what I'm going to say? I almost think I should have a jingle that comes on. Da, 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 da. Gary moans about injuries. Um, but you know, the opposition um, comms were talking about how, well, Lincoln haven't got a lot going forward. They don't seem to be able to break us down. But actually, we're missing Rico Hackett. We're missing Ben House. We know we're going to be missing Tyler Walker for much longer. Actually, I thought when Ted Bishop came on, there was once or twice where he showed just a little touch, just a little bit of movement. Just, And I'm not sure at the minute quite how sold I am on Ted because of his injury. 
But there's no doubt if he's fit, he can do the sorts of things that Danny Mandroyu was doing. You know, Mandroyu's pass for Sorensen, you the outside of the boot, the, the little drop of the shoulder. Whereas probably Ali Smith can't do that. Do you know what I mean? So once we get, oh, I agree. I think back, it's a it's a great sub to have, isn't it? Ted Bishop is a brilliant yeah. sub to have for Ali Smith after seventy minutes, because the you know Ali Smith has effectively you know ran his marker into the ground and and almost beaten up some of their their players, and then you get someone if you on the ball is a bit like Mandrew has that little bit of something extra, doesn't he? Ted Ted is a really creative player. He's good at driving with the ball. He's technically proficient. You know, him and Mandro in those two roles, narrow behind a striker, could be really exciting. Don't know how comfortable I would be starting like that. Yeah. Um, I think Ted's all, what we've seen this season, as much as the lad hasn't had chance to get a run in the team because of injury, on the rare occasions he has started, I I feel like he's played better when he's come off the bench. He's had a real, no, a real no. impact on games when he's coming off the bench. So, you know, I don't think we're going to. I think just because of his injuries, we're not going to see him get a sustained run in the team at any point. I think, you know, ho- hopefully we, we do. But I just, you know, history and evidence tells us that that's maybe a little bit wishful thinking. But when we've got him to come on for half an hour, you know, two out of every three or four games, I think between, at least certainly between now and the end of the season, that can be a real a real asset for us. And even though he came on what for 15, 20 minutes or so, yeah, when he had the ball. You just felt like something could happen. Again, Wigan defended quite well. Just quickly on Wigan, by the way. So, um, in the preview, or I, I, I heard Charlie mention something that I brought up on, um, I think it was on the EFL pod last week about Wigan, which is that their XG against, they were massively overperforming. So, they conceded yeah. 23 goals before to this game in the league, but they should have conceded 35 in regards to the um, the metrics, which would suggest, just looking at the numbers and not looking at the bigger picture, that they must be you know, quite open, but I actually thought they they defended really well yesterday. There was no evidence yesterday at all of the fact that they, you know, that they're, they're open and conceding big chances. Well, just looking down, they've been playing different formations earlier in the season. Uh, they've been playing 4-1-4-1, 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1. So I think they've probably settled on a... So on maybe a... that was a, yeah, that's come out of the fact that they maybe had an open defence in the first few games, had a yeah. couple of good wins against the run of play, particularly the Derby. I think they beat Derby, didn't they? And they, yeah, they, they got battered in that game, but they won it. Um, so maybe that, yeah, maybe that, maybe much more recently they've settled in that regard. But yeah, um, I it wasn't the sort of game I was expecting. I was expecting there to be chances at both ends, to be honest. Um, but like you said, for the majority of that second half, it was a little bit, that that was a little bit less entertaining. Like we, we enjoyed the tactical side of it in the first half, thought something could happen. I think the longer the game went on, I became less confident that it would. Yeah, I agree. And then something did happen, um, <laughs> which is typical. Uh, a goal got scored or a not goal got scored. When it first went in, I didn't see anything particularly wrong with it. Um, on the replay, I can see why it was disallowed. I can see why a referee disallows it at that in the moment. As I say, uh, the Wigan press is kind of saying controversial goal robs the robs the Latics. Sean Maloney, I listened to his post-match yesterday. He's the Wigan manager for people who don't know. He said he thought it looked soft and should have been a goal, but he underlined the caveat that they didn't do enough to win the game, so he wasn't going to particularly complain about it. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think Charlie White's naive because I think Jensen flaps at it a little bit. No criticism of Jensen, by the way, who's been superb for us in recent weeks, but I don't think he's going to get it when he goes back down, and I'm not going to try and pronounce the sub's name. Um, but I think that the goal goes in without White giving the little nudge, and I think White's tried to be clever, and it's backfired on him massively. And yeah, I can see why the referees disallowed it. If it was disallowed against us, I don't think I'd be too angry because it'd be like, well, you kind of have to understand that it's just naivety, isn't it? It's, it's the sort of thing Matt Reed might have done back in the day and tried to get away with it. I agree. Yeah. Now, obviously, as a biased Lincoln City supporter and a member of the goalkeepers' union, uh, of course, I, I thought it was a foul straight away. But I have to admit, like, I it wasn't. Oh my God, ref's got to give that as a foul. You know, what's he playing at? Um, it was more. Hang on, that could be a foul there. And then upon the replay, go. Oh yeah, it definitely is. And you're right. Charlie Wyke is trying to be clever by not allowing Jensen to get on it to try and help his teammate out. But in by trying to be clever, actually commits a, a foul that he doesn't need to commit. Um. So yeah, in, we got away with one there. Not in terms of because it was the wrong decision, but just because it was a you know it was a rare big chance in the game. Um, Jensen did fumble it. You know, Jensen's been fantastic for us this season. He had absolutely nothing to do for the majority of that second half. 
and he, he didn't catch it cleanly. Now, I think if White didn't block him off, would he have potentially got a hand on it and stopped and, and claimed it after? May, maybe so, maybe so. Um, but he did have a little fumble there. We can't deny that. But ultimately, it was the correct decision by the referee. And I think Sean Malone is right. They wouldn't have deserved it at all. So I think it's I think it's it was a just decision uh, on on the balance of the play overall, but also in the moment as well. I think it's a little bit a little biased, a little rose tinted glasses, maybe from a Wigan perspective to say that that was really controversial. Um, I don't think it was that controversial. We had the of course we had the luxury of a replay to confirm that. Whereas in the moment, I could understand why Wigan fans might be really upset, but once they've all seen it back, I think it's it'd be obvious to most that yeah, it was the right decision. I was going to try and find the headline from the Wigan um, guys. I'll substitute, I won't pronounce his name, SZC substitute Zzz. Um, oh, yeah, substitute Zzz. Denied late winner by controversial ref call. That's the headline. Anyway. Gets clicks, doesn't it? You, yeah, you, it does you, get clicks. I clicked on it. Do you know what, right? I, honestly, I'm going to click on it again now because what I want, this this is the entire match report. Just bear that in mind, right? Intru- uh, so you literally put report, Wigan nil, Lincoln nil, substitute denied late winner by controversial ref call. It then goes into Wigan were denied a dramatic late winner against Lincoln City after substitute Chris Size's goal was disallowed in controversial fashion. In truth, neither side deserved to win the game, despite lacking in any kind of excitement or goal mouth action. An early effort from Lincoln middle midfielder Ethan Hamilton, a 35-yard strike that was straight at Sam Tickle, by the way, who sounds like a Mr. Man, uh, proved to be the only effort on target for either side. Johnny Smith, making his first league start for Wigan, almost fluked a goal direct from a corner, which Luke... Lucas Jensen had did well to claw out. Other than that, defences remained on top until five minutes from time. And that's it. One more line after that. I just got bored reading it out. Wow. wow. That's what constitutes like journalism. Like these days. I, think, I think there was more to the game than that, definitely. I, I would say it wasn't a huge amount of goal math action. We think we made that clear. But there was enough, there's definitely enough to yeah. context because... there to, to make to give a, a better account of that. I know this is I, it's this this might feel a bit bad. I, I bet this lad must be fed up with this now, but They've got Mr. Tickling goal. <laughs> so this is the second week in a row we've talked about Mr. Man. Um, we're 36 minutes in, so we're going to pick up Mr. Man again in a second. Two other points I want to make really quickly before we go on. One, Callum McManaman, how did he stay on the pitch? He's booked for descent in the goal. He kicks the ball away immediately afterwards. It's a red card. It's another yeah, yellow. It is. Not dis- I have to say. Yeah. I know because he was praised for his... The, the, I think was it Mullane again praised him, the referee for his... Using um, common sense, or whoever it was, I mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like you say, okay, okay, I get that, but it's the laws of the game. You know what else I've noticed? Because refs were so hot on any form of dissent earlier yeah. this season, they were told to clamp down on it, and you, everyone bought into it. And when you got a yellow card for it, there was no complaints because everyone knew where they stood. Yeah, that seems to have gone out the window, by the way, hasn't it? I the last, I don't know, two or three months, that just seems to have stopped completely. I bet 70% of our bookings pre-Michael Scabala were for dissent. Agreed. I remember Ben House getting fouled and getting one. I remember um, I remember Pordy getting one for dissent. I remember Ethan Hamilton getting one for dissent. Sessignon, who came on, already on a yellow card for a foul on Jack Vale right on the edge of the area, gets involved at the end with the Duffy tackle, which I'm going to talk about as well. And he's the first one over. He's in the referee's face. He's throwing Duffy about... Again, it's another yellow. I'm actually pleased the referee didn't send two players off because it, it didn't wouldn't have mattered. If it was 60 minutes, it might have been different. But 89 yeah, minutes, it didn't whatever. have an impact the, the outcome of the game. Which is the wide, the wider spectacle, the wider of, of football in this country, I suppose. Yeah, how many yellow cards were given out that have caused suspensions in in games later yeah. this season that you know either shouldn't have been given because it, you know it's not consistent or should be given now. It's just and it, and then potentially has had an impact on on results later in the season. It's just yeah, I just think it's. It's refs. Well, it's the same either, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's bottling it. It's, it's the same seems with timekeeping. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Time we, we had more than six or seven minutes added on time again at the end. We would have beaten Bristol Rovers and Northampton Town had there not been eight, nine, ten minutes at the end yeah. of both of those games in, in games where there wasn't a lot of, of, of dirty play. So we would have been four points better off, which I think would have had us one point behind Oxford in sixth place. Yeah, right now. we're sounding like just miserable old men now, but um, we are but, but what you're saying is correct. Um, 
I know McManaman Wright should have been sent off for that, but I have to admit, actually, I think Wigan's best spell in the game came after he came on the pitch. Yeah, he was great. Right. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he was really good. good. He was really good yeah. for them. Good player. Um, and so then the last one, and then we'll be really quick about it, but Dylan Duffy's challenge, yellow card, sparked a bit of a melee. I think it was frustration on all parts after it. what would have been a frustrating game to play in. It might have been fascinating mm. to watch. I've watched that melee back um, in slow-mo because there was no goal, so I may as well use up my video allocation before you do on, um, on Wigan. I look at any video. <laughs> I know. Um, and I do you know who was in the middle of that? The first one of our players who's in the middle of that. And it's, it would surprise me because it's the one that if I had to pick, if you had to pick any Lincoln City player who appeared yesterday, who you'll think, do you know what? If I was in a fight, you're the one that I probably would prefer stepped aside, that you weren't the one that was there. So one Lincoln City player that you probably wouldn't particularly want alongside you in a fight. Only because he'd, he'd probably get injured within a minute would be yep. Ted Bishop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, and, it's, and you know what? It's Ted right in the middle of it. And yeah. like, and, and um, Ethan Hamilton comes across, he pulls Dylan Duffy away and there's like five or six Wigan players all with Ted. And then Ethan Arahan obviously comes in and tries to put his oar <laughs> in as well. Cause you know, I, I genuinely think he's, he's like, I think Ethan Arahan and it's not a Scottish thing again. Uh, it's not, but I think he'd be a little bit like Begbie. In train spotting, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's, there's no trouble. So, uh, if you're in a pub, he suddenly throws a pint glass into a crowd, <laughs> puts his knife so on the, the heads, table, heads towards <laughs> danger rather than away from yeah. it. Right, <laughs> that wee glassy got glass. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's listen to a word from our sponsors and we'll be back shortly. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here we are. We're back again. Back again after a word from one of our sponsors. Um, so thank you very much from those. So just quickly on to Mr. Man before we go on. Um, which Mr. What, what would your Mr. Man be? If you were a Mr. Man, oh, what do you think yours would be? on the spot here. See, I thought perhaps for you, Mr. Pathway. <laughs> Bugger off. Is one. Uh, so, yeah, that's obvious. Um, or, and, and people won't understand this because they don't know you particularly well, but Mr. Pooh, perhaps. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that on the airwaves, yeah. mate. Not, not oh. as in Winnie either. So, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Toilet Brush. <laughs> that was what I was just about to say. That's still in there. Yeah, I know it's because I saw it in the day when I come to your house unused. <laughs> Tell I haven't been around yes. much. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and if I was a Mister Man, and I'm not just having Mister Ginger either. No, that's that's boring. There's more to you than that. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is, you. but there's definitely more to you. Than yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. I think Ben would call me Mister Wanker <laughs> if he got an opportunity to. How would you draw that though, as a Mister Man? Like, because they've all got a little, a little. There's a little, like, as part of their image, there's a give giveaway as to kind of what they're depicting. I'm not sure you'd want... <laughs> well, I think Mr. M- Mr. Wanker would have to have his genitals out. Yeah. Or would he be walking around like that pot noodle and a, uh, a wank thing that I put on the uh, on the bar of mine? <laughs> you could be Mr. Pot Noodle. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, good. Let's move on, shall we? So I used to be called Mr. Poacher or Mr. Imp because I used to be... Poacher the Imp, the mascot. Um, and the Imp is synonymous with Lincoln City. And this week, we've seen a significant change in the Imp. Those people watching at home on video 
will be able to see the imp behind me. Not that we've put this out as video, but we might put a little short out. So Lincoln City fans, gold members, which sounds like a Bond baddie, silver members, bronze members, basically all season ticket holders um, and, and shareholders were voting on a badge. And we have voted to go back to the classic, they call it classic 1980s imp, which technically was a futuristic imp back in the 80s when it replaced the classic imp that we have now, which was on the shirt in the 70s. Basically, it's just a change of design. I think um, a little bit of anger from some people, the vocal minority on social media. Uh, but we're changing the badge. I'm delighted. I really like this badge. It's the badge that I, I first kind of connected with as a Lincoln City fan. Um, what we think in next season, it will be the badge on the shirt. Yeah, I think so. I think everything from next season will will be depicting this. And let's not forget, it's it's around the ground quite a bit already. You know, a lot yeah. of the um, like the gable ends of the of the co-op stand or whatever it's called now. Um, yep. There's an imp in that the one that got installed this season. I know there's there's references to it in the tunnel and other points around the ground already. It's it's still an imp, but was synonymous with Lincoln City. It's not something that's brand new. And I'm with you. I'm with you. I I, I was well really for the decision. Um, it's the Empire group with as well, not actually at, on its own. Mine was with the little LCFC um, yeah. in the kind of shield as well, but it was the imp that was in the middle. Yeah, I, I just think it makes total sense. Um, I think the club have gone around this in the right way. Um, we're poker night on, on Friday night and we were discussing this at length because, because what else do you do when you're playing poker other than talk about Lincoln City's badge? Um, and a couple of the lads that aren't that don't really follow Lincoln at all said, um, I don't know why they even needed to put it to a vote or even let the fans have a say which just that just invites that kind of that like you picking sides then it invites yeah. that, that 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 conversation and maybe that backlash from some so why don't you just change it no one would everyone would get over it I said, but that's not that's not lincoln city lincoln city want to be open and honest and inclusive of the fans and there's a reason that we're we, we're we're high up in the in the index was it the i can't remember what it's called now the fan index isn't it yeah um I think this is just a, just a proof of that, really. You know, some clubs would just change it without asking you, or they would do it and not even make reference to it because it isn't on old badge that was there before. I think the fact that we've been given the option to put a, to to vote on it, I think we've you know whether you agree with the decision or not, it was a democratic decision. Over I think five thousand six hundred, you know, uh, over that amount of people were eligible to vote. So basically, if you've ever bought a ticket for Lincoln City, I think you were sent. Oh no! If you're a bronze member, isn't it? If you're a bronze member or or more, which I imagine most people that have been to at least one game this season must be, then you had a, you had a, a right to vote on it. So people that you'd expect to have Lincoln City in their heart to an extent were given the option to vote, and I think that's a privilege. And whether you agree with the decision or not, I think the fact that it's democratic and that we even had a say is something to be cherished. And yeah, it was overwhelming. I'm, I'm led to believe quite an overwhelming vote um, um, in terms of the the four compared to the against, but. 71 like point, like 71%, it. wasn't it? 71.77. I think. I think it was 77. I think, but don't quote me on that. I think, but I think it was 77. I was led to believe, um, and I may be wrong here, but I was led to believe that the club had a threshold at which point they would say, well, that's not an overwhelming majority. And it yes. wasn't. I think, again, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm happy to, but I believe that if the vote was 51-49, the club could would then say that well that's a mandate to change it and actually by putting it to a vote rather than just going right we're going to change it they actually run the risk that's the only instance in which they can't change the badge so if they everyone said well you made your mind up anyway if they just made their mind up and gone and changed it they could have done it got away with it and when i say got away with it that sounds like they were doing something wrong but it wasn't mm. they could have just done it and gone there we go by putting it to a vote the irony is that everybody said they'd mind their mind up anyway but by putting it to a vote that's the only instance in which they take the power away from them at their hands yeah. and put it into the hands of the supporters and then absolutely and it's the amount of work that's gone on behind the scenes to even consider this because obviously there's reasons that they want to do this it's a bit it, you know it's not just marketing i think the heritage comes into it but let's not let's be let's be completely honest about this you could do a hell of a lot more with that badge in terms of marketing than you can with the current one. Um, and, and I'm sure there's more to it than that as well. That have had to put all that work in behind the scenes just in the hope that it's going to be a convincing vote and, and, the expect, and, and that the most people went for it. Turns out, you know, what the expectation was. But the way it was presented to us when it was first mentioned a couple of months ago was um, we're proposing this. We think it's a good idea for these reasons. 
what do you think? You know, so we think it's good, but we don't, we're not 100% sure. And we want to make sure that everyone, you know, an overwhelming majority, as you said, agrees. And it, as it turns out, they do. And that's a good thing. Yep. So I, I think that the club actually had a threshold that was much higher than the 51%. I think that my oh, it understanding was, yeah, it was significantly higher. And that the boat actually only, only just went over that. Yeah, no, it wasn't, um, it so, wasn't trying, if it was not overwhelming, it wouldn't have gone ahead. Quite simple as that. And also there's an awful lot of men or, and women perhaps as well of, of a certain age who are now looking at tattoos they have on their body going, yeah. wow, I'm back in fashion. <laughs> you know what? That's how I felt when I went to Berlin with my fashion sense. <laughs> right. Did you go back to Berlin in the 80s? I had leather jackets and, and Converse all the time. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, and it, you know, my final point on the badge is this. When I look at this badge, the, the angular 80s badge, it's Lincoln City's badge. Mm -hmm. When I look at the imp that was on the that's been on the shirt, and I'm not, you know, it's, it, it's great, but it's the Lincoln imp. It's the Lincoln imp that appears on the county council logo. It's the imp that appears here, there, and everywhere. So actually, by using this imp, I think that we're fostering a tighter identity for the football club within the Lincoln kind of sphere than we are just you just kind of trading off off the lincoln thing that's a really good Personally. point i see i hadn't even considered that but that's a really good point yeah good. i just like it i, I just like yeah. it. You, i learned to draw it when i was about eight i mean i've forgotten now but I'll, I'll i'll learn again um anyway so that's the badge there's a game this week we're not going to have a preview because it's the bristol street motors trophy um probably the only really talking point about it ben and charlie covered last week when they were talking about how the club had gone about remedying the late cancellation which i think they've done a great job and you know for everybody who's critical and there are those who have been critical about the badge um vote which which probably isn't justified that nobody can be critical of the way that the club responded about uh regarding the accurate postponement predominantly because the only um parties involved in the, the accrington postponement that had zero guilt whatsoever, a Lincoln City mm -hmm. Football Club. Yeah. Um, so we will go to Accrington on Tuesday night. We'll try again to play Accrington on a Tuesday night because we've only done it twice, I think, since 1926. Uh, it will go ahead this time round. I think the big the big thing really is team selection, isn't it? And um, you know, Jack Vale was due to start. Dylan Duffy was due to start. We've gone with a really strong team. I wonder if there might be a few little tweaks and changes. Hamilton and Arahan, I wonder if they may swap 45 minutes of time and Ali Smith may play in midfield. Duffy will probably start. Um, will we see Jaden Brown maybe? Because we, do we want to keep Burroughs and Sorensen fit? We've got a game on, on Saturday. We've played a game on the Saturday before. I think it just maybe makes, makes it a little bit tougher in terms of team selection. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's really difficult to predict, but I think it certainly adds another element to this because, um, yeah, I think I was a little bit surprised on Tuesday night by quite how strong the team was and how there were some changes, but there weren't many changes. It was still the players that we'd been seeing on a, on a Saturday. OK, they were, they were either starting or they were coming off the bench, but it was those same players that have generally been involved, that kind of core. Um, and Mide Shadipo, for example, was... Um, he wasn't due to start on, on Tuesday night, was he, for example? You know, no. it's not like we were completely rotating everybody and just playing the fringe players. Um, it was a little stronger than I expected it to be, but I also agree we'll have one eye on Saturday now. Um, and also the fact that you don't want to give too much away. You know, you don't want to play exactly the same team um, and make it easy to predict, particularly because it appears that Accrington have uh, deleted their lineup off Twitter. So, because we were obviously <laughs> wanting to kind of predict <laughs> and see, well, okay, well, this is what they, this is how they lined up. We're going to line up. How strong was it compared to how was, and how will that then influence what they do this time? And they've deleted their post, so we couldn't check what the lineup was going to be. Can't find it flipping anywhere, um, so we don't know. Um, what we can be pretty convinced is that they're going to play a four-two-three-one because they're having almost every single game this season. But what which personnel that they have? Um, not sure. One notable player, of course, will be Tommy Lee, who we will. Heavily linked with in the summer. Um, Who's out of contract this summer. Yeah, he is um, <laughs> very much their, their, probably their best player, if not one of. Plays in the yeah. 10 role, generally speaking. Scored five goals so far this season already in 18 games. Um, he's good. He's good. Um, again, can't even remember and um, have no idea whether he was due to play on Tuesday night or not. But I think 
Um, with Accrington seeing quite how strong our lineup was going to be last Tuesday, I would expect them to put a strong lineup out this coming Tuesday, um, regardless of what their initial selection was last week for the original fixture. I yeah, it, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one from a Lincoln City point of view because there's obviously Shadipo wasn't due to start last Tuesday. Is he somebody that we start now? But then he's more of a wide player. If Michael Scabala is looking to play that tight tight three up top, Shadipo ain't going to get a game. But then Duffy was picked to play in that tight three yeah, up top. So again, or, or was he? Was he going to be playing left wing back, and were we going to be playing Jordan Burrows in the midfield? There's another option because although we talk about not particularly having replacements, if Ali Smith is his first choice in the just behind the forward, are we actually then going to play Smith for ninety minutes and rotate the two Ethans, or are we going to play a Jordan Burrows in the middle? But if you play Jordan Burrows in the middle, he's our first choice left back. So whilst we do have a decent squad there's still kind of questions, especially when you think about the games that we've got coming up. What is it? Reading and then Derby and then Bolton. We've kind of just started. I feel like this Saturday was just the start of kind of the, the festive period really, wasn't it? Where you've got that really was, big, yeah. big kind of group of games coming up and it's going to be just be match after match after match after match. I love, I love it personally. I, I appreciate, you know, I think Michael Scott, I mentioned he really likes it as well, but I think from a coach's perspective, you'd like more time on the training pitch to, to be able to generate the style, because I think, the amount of tweaks that we've seen in the short time that he's been at the club have been really impressive. I, you know, so but it's, he's not going to have that much chance on the, to, to, to do too much on a training pitch with the games that are coming up. When you listen to the, the, the league run that we're on, Wigan, Reading, Derby, Bolton, could be championships circa 2018, couldn't it? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it, it's certainly better than looking at it and going Halifax, um, Bromley, Forum Wood. And I, I know that you know, can't always do that, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, as things stand, of course, we, I mean, it is going to be a busy period. So between now and, and January the 2nd, you've got Accrington, Reading, Derby, Bolton, Northampton, and then Blackpool away um, on, on New Year's Day. So it's, it's a crazy period. We've then, at the, as things stand, we've then got 12 days off because... <laughs> The 6th of January, we were due to host Shrewsbury, but I think they're through to the third round of the FA Cup. So we can't, we, we won't be playing them then. <clears throat> of course, it could mean that we play, we host Bolton twice in a short period of time because Bolton are the team that we've drawn in the next round of the BSM trophy. If I'm going to be honest, and I don't want this to be disparaging to Accrington, I expect us to beat Accrington on Tuesday. And I expect us to do that because we'll go with a strong side. Ted Bishop might get a game, as for instance, Jack Vale was starting for Blackburn last season. He's going to start up top for us. I expect us to beat Accrington. I don't want that to be disrespectful. And bear in mind, you're talking about an Accrington side that are embroiled in a push to come back mm-hmm. into League One. And, and they've got Crew, Walsall, Harrogate, Barrow, Salford. They've got some big games coming up in terms of the promotion race. And they're they're kind of hanging around there in that um, playoff area. So they're 10th. They've got Crew coming up who are fifth. Barrow coming up who are third. They're playing teams in and around them. And I wonder if actually that might make a little bit of a difference. So I think, was it Doncaster they played yesterday? Uh, yeah, Georgia, no. nil, nil. they had their first nil nil of the season, as did we yesterday. So yeah, that's so. an interesting one. So it'll probably be like a like, five four on Tuesday night or something. Well, normally when we play them, it's two two, and then they win on penalties, isn't it? I think that's what tends to happen. <laughs> yeah, but Lucas Jensen always saves the penalties, and we've got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he actually did, didn't he? He actually saved the penalties that knocked us out of the competition last season. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. Yeah, fascinating stuff. And uh, so that's the that's the trophy draw. Um, is is Bolton at home? Hey, do you know what? Of all of the draws, you don't really want to be away. But I looked at the northern section of the competition and my Lord, it looks fairly strong. I think there's some teams in there who are going, Joe, what, we, we're going to have a go at this. I think there are teams taking the Football League trophy more seriously this season than at this stage than in the past. Yeah, maybe so. I think the majority of the under-21 teams were particularly weak this season, weren't they? Um, so even... Um, 11 changes to a League One side, you're still playing senior pros and they, that did happen a lot in this competition this season and they still came out ahead. So I think most league teams have got a guaranteed three points there already. Um, it's just interesting, isn't it? I think it depends a little bit on on the um, on the scheduling a bit for the next round. I, don't, I haven't actually seen when, the next, when it's scheduled for, um, if and when we play. But I just think, particularly Bolton, who are obviously flying high um 
definitely their main priority this season is automatic promotion into the championship. I don't know you take I don't know if you take this this competition quite that seriously. Um I know we're in a let's be honest, I think I think we're in a playoff chase. I don't know if we're going to get there, but I think we're in the pack that can be part of the conversation between now and the end of the season. Um but I also think that we quite fancy a day out at Wembley and that would be a nice a nice part of the season to look forward to. I think that's it's probably more important to us than it maybe would be for them. But we don't know. But if, again, Bolton have got a really strong squad. They've got good depth, That's so they can then rotate. Say. They can rotate and still have a really strong yeah. team. So, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to predict. We've got to get past Accrington first, which I agree with you. I think, I think we should. Let's be honest. Um, even if Accrington play their strongest eleven, I think we sh- we should get past them. Um, they do have some dangerous players. We mentioned Tommy Lee in particular, but I do feel that we we should have enough. Whoever of our main core players play, you know, I don't think we'll see. The sort of team that we did against Derby, for example, I don't think we'll we'll, we'll rotate him no, like that no, at any no. point for the rest of this competition now. Um, but whoever does play, I think we should have enough to get past Accrington, and then we we'll see what happens after that. The the northern round of sixteen, so it's technically we're in the round of sixteen. You're in the northern quarterfinals that it used to be. Derby going for promotion out of our division. Blackpool, us. Bolton and Wigan. Arguably, I think Wigan are in the conversation. Ten points deducted, maybe so. I think they're going to be in the they're in the top ten conversation, if not the top six. I agree. I genuinely, I genuinely do. I agree with that. Um, well, they'll be they'll be um, ahead of us in the league if it wasn't for exactly production. Um, no good and the only two teams out of our league, other than Accrington, are Doncaster um, and and Bradford. And again, Bradford, you you probably Graham Alexander at Bradford's looking at this thinking, well, if we can do something in this, it, it masks the fact we're not having a great season in the league. Mm-hmm. The round of 16 Southern section, you've got West Ham under 21s, Brighton under 21s, Reading who were struggling, Crawley who were mid-table. The only, But then you've got, check this out, Peterborough, Portsmouth and Oxford. So actually, exactly, I could see your face there. You think about the teams that are in, the promotion contention, which we, you know, kind of just spoken about, they're nearly all, nearly all left in this competition. Portsmouth yeah, are, Bolton are, Stevenage aren't, Peterborough are, Derby are, Oxford are, Barnsley aren't, Blackpool are, Lincoln are. So all the way down to ninth, you're only missing what three teams. That's very interesting. I wonder, I wonder if that's the, it's just a you know it's just coincidence or if there is you know a real factor this season that that determines that a little bit. I can't think what it might be other than deeper squads but anyway we're an hour in i just want to mention one thing before we finish and so i've been in conversations with chris ray you'll know him he's the man that does all the coloring in on the cartoons he'll love that um incredibly talented man who obviously does imp tunes raises lots and lots of money for good causes he's a um, partner of the club and, and all that sort of stuff um he and I noticed something this Christmas that has not happened that was suggested may happen. And that was some form of printed material available in the run up to Christmas. I think I can't find anything online now. I haven't looked, but there was some sort of mention. Chris is putting his hand up, so we'll come on to that in a second. Is there something I've missed? Because there was some sort of mention of something like a yearbook or. Yeah, I think I think there is. I think I saw it. Um, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely. I could have sworn I saw something somewhere about this, like literally yesterday or the day before. Well, while you're looking, I shall tell you what we, Chris and I, would like to do. Uh, yeah. That's Chris, Chris Ray, not Chris Lamming. Um, yeah, I can't draw. We are thinking. Well, no, it's writing as well. Um, but oh, we wow. are thinking of relaunching once again uh, the printed fans in the deranged ferret. So uh, between the two of us and hopefully with with input from across the fan base, we'd like to put something together that's printed um, that will be available on a match day for maybe it will cover a a month or two at a time. um, Kind of off the wall stuff, the sort of stuff that used to appear in the fanzine, some of the stuff that perhaps used to appear in a programme. And we're looking, I mean, Chris said he would like a a private eye style production, um, kind of a... A5 size. All with all I'm mentioning it here for is if, if there's any interest, get in touch. Um, you drop us a drop me an email, gazhutch78 at gmail.com. Um, because we'd like to put something together. Uh, we think that printed media is still very important, and I think it was something we toyed with 
at the beginning of the season. Um, but we're obviously waiting to see how how things panned out. Probably four issues a year, something like that. But yeah, anybody who's listening who thinks that, well, I could do something for that or I'd be interested in that, just let us know feedback as well. Is it something that you would buy? Is it something that that you would collect? Is it something that's had its day? I know Andy Person will be listening to this now thinking print media is gone. Um, the intention would be uh, that any profits from it would go to good causes, whether that be to um, into the club or whether it be to charity. Um, I'd leave all of that to Mr. Charity himself, Chris uh, Chris Ray. But yeah, let us know what you think. Did you find anything, Chris? I did, but, um, but still, still buy your thing. I think they're, they're, they've got different target audiences. I think you've got an official annual, 2024 annual, which you can purchase from mid-December. Can you? Well, it's mid-December now. Must be soon then. Yeah, this came out, this was announced on the 8th of December. It's only a couple of days, couple of days ago uh, that this was okay. mentioned. Um, no one's seen something somewhere. But yeah, so that they are doing something, but ultimately, um, still by yours, going to a good cause, yeah. and I'm sure it'll be great. Do you know one thing about Christmas um, Lincoln City memorabilia that really grinds my gears? On. the club calendar <laughs> yeah what well, you tell why you know why straight away because basically anything after june onwards is a lottery isn't it and, <laughs> and if you buy the club calendar there's not other club anymore or vice versa exactly. admitting loads of new signings yeah it's and different managers obviously for us this year for me think outside the box with the club calendar and do i don't know like past heroes do you know what mm. I mean? Like, or, or or memory pictures or stuff from around the ground, more kind of iconic stuff. I don't know. Ground. I, I, I just, yeah, I just think oh, seeing players who have left you or or whatever. Just, and I used to get the club calendar every year. My mum used to buy it for me every year for Christmas. And I always used to get to October and you'd be like, I, there was one year I think Kevin Sandwith might have been on it, and you turn it over and it's like, well, bloody hell, he played, he played against us last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really grates my cheese, that does. Right. Yeah, problems, eh? yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, at least we know that the calendar next year uh, will definitely have my favourite imp on it, um, but it's not everyone else's favourite imp. This imp, not players. Um, yeah, well, my, my favourite imp. Right behind you, right now. We've spoken about it at length for the last for, for a few. You minutes. just look confused, Chris. That was all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is, is this a reference I've made at some point? Like, I mean, obviously, it's the Ethan Rahan, but you know, apart yeah, from the obvious facts. So that was episode 259 of the Stacey West podcast. We've talked about Wigan and the Bad Jackrington, the Trophy Draw, the Deranged Ferret, and which Mister Man we might be. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it. We're sure you have because it was good. Um, but thank you for listening. Anyway, please remember to like and subscribe and do all of that sort of stuff. Share it on social media. Say how good we are. I'm going to go and have toad in the hole made with brat burst and cheesy mashed potatoes for my dinner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. That sounds I've good. been Gary Hutchinson. He's been Chris Lamming. And all that remains to be said is up the imps. Up the imps. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.